Hello and welcome to the Sunshine House podcast, a cozy corner of the podcast universe where you can listen in to chats with some of your favorite children's book authors. My name is Annie Louise. I am a children's book author. I write picture books through to middle grade and most recently young adult fiction. I also teach people who are wanting to write their own stuff. So if you've had a burning desire to write your own picture book, have a look at my website. I can help you with that. We can talk about your ideas and help you flesh them out. I can also help you if you are wanting to submit your story to publishers. I can help you get it ready. I run courses on my website. I have a subscription model where you can have access to all my courses, but also have access to the monthly group mentoring sessions, which are really fun. And just new, just launched is a new retreat. Our next Blue Mountains retreat sold out in a heartbeat. So I've put together another one for spring. We've got some wonderful guests coming yet again. We have Anna Feenberg coming who is the author of Tashi, amongst other wonderful books. And we also have Anna McFarlane, who is the publisher at Allen & Unwin, and she's published many of the books that you know and love. So it's going to be a really special weekend. It will be on the 11th to the 13th of October. If you have a look at my website under the Retreats tab, you'll find the bookings open there. The retreats do tend to sell out very quickly, So if you are keen to jump on board, have a look as soon as you're able to. So without further ado, our wonderful guest today is Katrina Nanased, who has written a beautiful book called Silver Linings. Well, Katrina's written many, many books for middle grade and new readers, independent readers, She's a highly, highly awarded author. Her books are fabulous. Uh, I'm most familiar with her historical books. And this one is a historical book. It's a little bit perhaps quieter than some of her others, which are set during wartime in Europe. This one gives me uh, Seven Little Australian Vibes, which was a book that I loved when I was a kid. It's, uh, I, I find it, you know, quite endearing but also quite personal because it is set in a little town very close to where I'm living now and my mum and her mum and all of our family going way back grew up here so all the stories and little details in this book are things that feel very familiar to me and are definitely part of the fabric of my family history as well. So I personally really adored this story and Katrina's writing is just gorgeous. But you'll also hear from my 12-year-old friend Opie who shares how she feels about this book and I'm sure you'll enjoy her thoughts and reflections as well. This conversation was recorded on Bunjalung land. Hi, my name is Opie. I am 12 years old and I've been reading Silver Linings by Katrina Nanstead. I thought this story was wonderfully told through the eyes of a curious, optimistic and playful six-year-old. I felt very moved by her emotive descriptions of grief and loss. I thoroughly enjoyed the time period in which the story took place as I like history and I enjoyed reflecting upon and imagining the lifestyle of a family in the 1950s. The characters were so well described that I felt as though they had a cosy sense of familiarity. This book was very touching. It was the perfect balance of happy and sad. I thoroughly enjoyed it and would highly recommend this book. Thank you so much for having me. Hi, Katrina. Welcome to the Sunshine House. 
Thank you. So lovely to get to talk to you. I've been reading your books for many years and loving all of them. You're such an accomplished and wonderful writer. So very excited to talk to you about Silver Linings, which is your latest book. I'm really glad to be here too. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Well, this beautiful cover popped up into my you know, news feed recently and I'm besotted with the actual cover. It's just stunning. Wow. Embossed <laughs> and, you know, it's just so stylish and beautiful. It looks a little different from some of your other covers. Is this book, it feels a little bit different from some of your earlier books. Is that right? Absolutely. So in the last few years, I've written a few historical novels that are squarely based around children suffering during or after World War II. But this story is set in Australia in the 1950s. And it's um, a very different kind of story, a very different emphasis to those war novels, of course. Yeah, it does have a very personal feel. So tell me first a little bit about Silver Linings. I've read it and I obviously am not going to give away <laughs> anything to our listeners, but I'd love to hear from you how you would like to, you know, share this story with people. Um, well, I like to think of Silver Linings as a snapshot of Australian life in the 1950s. It's set in rural Australia, actually in the Northern Rivers area of New South Wales, and it focuses in on a small rural community and particularly the family that sits at the centre of the story. So it's a family of girls and a dad and an aunt who are raising them. It's narrated by the main character, Nettie, who's only five years old at the start of the story. And we follow their lives and the lives of their school and community throughout a period of time of change, particularly for this family, because there's a new mum comes into the family. And so it's a time of gaining lovely new things, but it's also a story about loss and what happens in a family and a community when there's a big loss. Yeah, it's um, very, very touching. You have this ability, maybe because the, the child is quite young, there's something about it, which is just so, the emotion's so close to the bone. The whole time I was reading this, you know, I had goosebumps, I had tears in my eyes, you know, it's it's a bit of an emotional roller coaster, even though it's kind of, we're, we're dealing with something from through the eyes of quite a young child. Yeah, it, it was a it was a really hard decision to make about how to how to tell this story and how to narrate it. It's been in my mind for years and years because it's actually inspired by something that really happened in my grandmother's life. And this story has just always moved me and sat with me and I've wanted to write it for a long time. So maybe I could just tell you where, where the inspiration comes from. First of all, when my grandmother was raising children, um, one of her little little babies got very ill. She had a little boy called Billy and they were living on a farm way out of town at the time. And so they took him to the hospital, but because they were so far away, by the time they arrived, it was too late. And this little six-month-old boy, Billy, passed away, which was a tragedy in itself. But by the time my grandmother and my grandfather made it back to the farm after doing everything that needed to be done with coping with this, this precious little one dying, well-meaning family and neighbours had swooped into my grandparents' house and cleared out every vestige mm. of that little baby boy. And so they thought they were doing the right thing because in those days people thought you just, you know, if you lose a child, particularly a baby, you just need to forget about it and move on, you know, chin up, soldier on. 
which we know now is not a, not a great way to cope with those things. But the only thing that was left of that little boy that these people missed was three little booties. And my grandmother kept those three little booties of Billy's in her dressing table drawer wrapped in tissue paper her entire life. And when she passed away, my mother and her two remaining sisters each got one of those little booties. So now my mother has one of those framed on her wall. It's Billy's booty. This story, the sadness, anyway, any story of losing a child is full of sorrow, isn't it? But this story about not having anything but these three little booties to remind my grandmother of this precious child who'd been an enormous part of her life but then was sort of wiped away in so many ways has just haunted me. And so I wanted to write a story that was somehow around the booties and this baby just disappearing. And I've looked at it for a long time. And because I'm a children's author, I, I tried at times to write it for younger children, but that it just was too a little bit too serious a topic, I felt, to, to deal with it in the way that I wanted to deal with it in. And then I tried to write it for an adult novel, and I'm just not a, a writer of adult novels. I always end up with a very... Um, a young voice and putting twee cute things in it just doesn't work for me. But when I started writing the war stories for that middle grade age, it all of a sudden came together because it was a more comfortable fit in between there that it's a topic that those middle grade children are ready to explore those big topics and are able to cope with those more serious topics. But it also gave me that freedom to use my comfortable author's voice to tell the story. So that's um, a little bit of the journey there to get to this story and it's been it's been a longer journey it's been mulling around in my head for for quite a few years that I, I'd like to do this oh well it makes a lot of sense particularly having that image attached to that emotion uh, which comes with these three little booties and that you know that stirs me so I can totally understand how that was enough of a seed for you to hold on to and know that you just had to find the way right way into this story it's absolutely beautiful so Nettie is quite young when the story starts. Um, it's unusual to see such a young character in um, middle grade. I know you've done that before, you know, to great effect. And, you know, it's a real skill to be able to make that, you know, so engaging and appealing to those middle grade audiences. How do you capture her voice so well? Um, I'm really curious about that. You've almost touched on it already, but you know, her voice is captivating because it is told from the first person, isn't it? Um, and she's got these funny little sayings that you, you drop in all the way through. What are you reading? What are you listening to to get this voice so uh, consistent, I guess, and so on the page as Nettie, you know, who can only exist in this book? I think I always put a lot of myself into my main characters. And so the narrator of Nettie, I think, has got a bit of the cheekiness and probably this thing that I felt I often did as a child that I, I was well-meaning but I probably said the wrong thing often or I was cheeky where I was meaning to be funny and all that sort of thing. So I think there's part of me in Nettie's voice. But I think too, you know, as, as a writer, we're always drawing on real-life experience and, you know, I've known, I've taught a lot of children who've been quite bright little children and, and I've raised children and so I think we're always drawing on those voices and the character of certain children who match the characters we're in. I, I I find it really hard to say how I do it, except that I probably really 
I really become netty while I'm writing that story. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm well, not that's a, what it I'm feels not, like. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I'm not a writer who can dip in and out of a story and just write in the cracks of life. I really immerse myself in my writing so that when I'm writing a story like Silver Linings, I'll sit for weeks and weeks at a time and write the story. So in my head, I am Nettie living and telling that story. That makes a lot of sense. That's how it feels because you do. I, I read, <laughs> I'm not a fast reader like at all. Uh, and yet I picked this book up on Sunday. I've decided Sunday is like my reading day. Uh, I picked up this book on a Sunday morning and I'd finished it by the end of the day. And, you know, that to me is like, wow, you know, I, I feel like I was completely absorbed in this world and the intricacies of Nettie's point of view. And, you know, yeah, I read it like that as well in, with just full immersion. Oh, so it's absolutely beautiful. Yeah. There's a lot of fun in narrating a story from a small child's point of view because there's always the capacity for humour and um, really poignant moments where a child sees things and describes things but they don't really fully understand what's going on. But the reader who's older middle grade reader or even an adult reader does see what does understand what's going on so that's a really it's a really great device to employ in a story for all those layers of meaning and understanding and humor that you can bring into by having that that young narrator I, I really really enjoyed writing it from Nettie's point of view I can see that. Yeah, there's a certain naivety which comes. But like you say, yeah. she is also bright. She's sparkly. She's got heaps of agency. She's got these wonderfully crazy ideas which are like, no. <laughs> but, yes, it's, yeah. it's, it's really yes. gorgeous, even especially the opening scene. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It can be a bit like watching a train wreck in slow motion as you watch her <laughs> the way through the story. Can't, can't you, you see it, see what's happening, but she doesn't. But he doesn't know, but, you know, that's part of the charm of it. Uh, yeah, I had a sort of personal connection to this. So it felt personal to me because um, my mum, well, my grandma, um, she raised her kids in casino and, you know, my mum grew up in casino and all of those areas that you mention in the book, you know, Lismore, Ballina, and I just felt the landscape was very, you know, I'm very interested in my family's history as well, and particularly the stories around my mom who would have been born in the early 50s. Um, yeah, so I just felt very personally connected to this because of the setting, I guess. In terms of writing about grief and loss and some of those difficult experiences, and I know you're very skilled at handling these big topics, uh, were there any uh, particular devices that you were sort of thinking about or using when you uh, were introducing these to the story? Like what what did you have in mind in terms of, you know, how you were going to introduce middle grade readers to something as big as, you know, death? Yeah, that's something that I really had to problem solve about with the with the historical novels I've written this one and and the war stories because I am dealing with quite traumatic events particularly in the war stories and you don't want to certainly I don't want to make light of these things because these are serious topics and real people have struggled through these traumatic events. So the first thing I always have in my mind as a writer is that I need to be respectful and honest about these things. But of course, when you are writing for a younger audience, there are many things that you do not want to expose them to or that you want to be gentle about. One really great strategy that I use that helps me to introduce these topics and deal with them with younger readers is to have 
the story narrated first person present tense by one of the main characters who is a child. And I find that a very powerful voice in the story and I love writing first person present tense because as I say I live I actually live the story as the character as I'm writing it so I find that really helpful but also when I write first person present tense from that main child character it actually allows me to navigate the story around the more traumatic events and happenings that I don't want to share with the young reader and that, that doesn't mean I'm denying that those things happen. It just means that my character isn't experiencing those really traumatic moments or events so they can't describe them. Or often we see, as in the case of Nettie, the little character describes something but they're not fully understanding and so we see what she's seeing and what she's understanding and a young reader who's not ready to take it any further, they'll just take that text at face value, whereas a reader that comes to the story with more world knowledge and more life knowledge and more life skills will understand the meaning at the next level of that text. And so I find that first person, present tense, child narrator a really, really safe way to tell a story like this. Mm, That makes a lot of sense. And in terms of building this world around Nettie and, you know, the details like her having her first horse that she rides to school and all those little, you know, historical details, uh, I don't, you know, imagine there's a lot of research that goes into your stories set in the Second World War. Is there also a lot of research when you're writing something like this, which is a little bit closer to home? Oh, certainly there there is. I, I think the starting point for me, though, was with family and mm-hmm. family history and a lot of a lot of the episodes that happen in the story are things that actually happen in my mother and her siblings lives so things with the piglet that we start with at the story that that something similar to that really happened my mum well. did used to ride a horse <laughs> to school there are many many events that are based on family anecdotes it's not the story of my family it's fiction but there, there's a lot tangled up in there from family anecdotes and family folklore. So I started with that and I also did a trip up to um, the Northern Rivers area with my mother to talk to her sister as well and to talk to my mother about things that we never really get time to talk about with, you know, family loss and different things that had gone on. And we visited all the places. But then once I decided that I had the framework of the story, I started looking at, well, what, you know, the the details, the historical details about what schools were really like, not just my mother's school, but what were children learning across the state, what was happening in the country and the world at that time, and all those things started coming in and wrapping around the core story that I had. So a number, lot of my research was talking to my mother. <laughs> she was just like a, a history book that I could ring along the way and, mm. and say, hey, what was happening here or what did you do at school on Mondays or all those sorts of things. But also then in the story we see a new queen comes along because it's set in the year that Queen Elizabeth becomes queen and then there's the coronation and then Queen Elizabeth visited Lismore and the area where the story's set. So all those things come into the story too. So there was research around those bigger world events and um, bringing them into my character's story because they were the exciting big things in Australia at that time. I love that. And there are still pubs in Lismore which very proudly announce the fact that Queen Elizabeth came to this pub. So, you know, I, (laughs) having come from this area, know those uh, little historical details well. So I love that they were woven in. And I also love that (laughs) Nettie gets the 
monarchy she always calls it the mongoose which is just such a, yes. a lovely <laughs> a lovely way of seeing the world through a child's perspective there's just so many delightful uh moments around the queen visiting which i just adored uh so your mom of course becomes a great primary resource you know having been on yes. the ground at the time <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. she had a lot of fun in the process too because you know when i was for instance, researching things about the Queen visiting Lismore, I found all the newspaper articles and the photographs there and I was sending them to her and she said, oh, those those twins in that photo, I know them. They were, you know, and she was telling me about those girls who were in the photo where they were waiting all night to see the Queen and the Duke of Edinburgh come out of the hotel. And so she found it very exciting too to be involved in the whole process. That's absolutely beautiful. And so you're using newspaper clippings, you know, do you have any other research resources at your fingertips? What else are you using? Um, the internet's just such a powerful tool as far as getting anything like, you know, looking up newspapers, Lismore newspaper or ABC had a whole heap of um, articles and things about the floods in Lismore. Trove, of course, has articles and that. So the internet really was my main next resource there. Usually when I'm doing war stories, I read a lot of books I, I use books and autobiographies and that but here really it was um, mainly internet-based research and finding media and clips I think I even found like little video clips and stuff of the Queen's visit and things too that brought those sorts of moments alive but I didn't really read any autobiographies this time because my mum's story and my aunt's story were the <laughs> <laughs> were the stories that I was basing this on and that I was getting the inspiration from. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so are you someone who does a lot of research beforehand and then you plan, then you write, or is this something that's all happening in the mix as you're writing? I definitely do a lot of research beforehand and planning beforehand when I write historical fiction, but there's always a lot of stuff that comes up in the process that I realise I don't know about that <laughs> entails more research or sometimes, you know, you'll be looking back over something and a new idea will pop up so that leads off on another track of research. But I'm definitely a planner and, a, and a, the bulk of my research happens ahead of writing. Beautiful. Um, and one other question I have about practical, the setting itself. Um, so it's Fern Hill, the little village where it's set, right? Is that a real place? No, 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 it's not. Yeah. My mother actually grew up on a farm outside Bexhill and yeah. went to Bexhill Public okay. School. Yeah. And we actually went, we actually called in at Bexhill and at the farm when I took my mum up for this trip and had a look at the school and, um, you know, we were walking around, you know, she was telling me about all the different things that happened here and there and what it was like at the school. Um, so Fernhill is totally fictional but a little bit inspired by Bexhill. But I, ah. I do have to emphasise that it is totally, totally fictional. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I'm glad to know what was in the back of your mind as you're writing it because, like I said, these places are all very familiar to me and Bexhill is very yeah. familiar to me. So I love now that I know where it was set. <laughs> yeah. And, of oh. course, there are episodes that take place in Lismore at the pictures and yes. um, with the Queen's too. Yeah, well, you did such a great job of capturing that. And like I said, you know, from hearing stories of my mom. You definitely captured her childhood as well in a nutshell. So <laughs> I think you've just done such a wonderful job of bringing these big kind of heavy themes, as you mentioned, into this beautiful little nutshell of an experience. Uh, and you've just done it so, so, so well, Katrina. I loved it. 
Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what are you excited about next? Have you got another project that's been happening? Is there something else that you're working on at the moment? Yes, at the moment I'm writing another historical novel set in World War II, so I'm a bit over halfway mm-hmm. through that. If you could see my desk now, you'd be mortified. It's like, it's, I don't know what it's like. It's like a bomb's exploded on my desk actually, but I'm sort of deep into that second half of a novel that needs to be done by the end of the year. Okay. So I'm... Yeah, I find it's funny actually trying to talk about silver linings because I do, I'm really, my head's really in the character that's at the centre of this other novel. Yes, <laughs> yeah. So I'm sort of having to come out of that now and start talking about silver linings, which is very exciting when it's about to come out. But it's, yeah, I feel like I'm living a few different lives at the moment. Oh, I can imagine. Well, I don't want to take you away from that world for too long. So thank you so much for sharing with us, you know, Silver Linings, the character, the stories, the inspiration behind it. Like I said, I love this book um, and it was just such a joy to get to talk to you about it. Oh, thanks. Thanks for chatting, Zenny. Thank you for listening to the Sunshine House podcast. This episode was produced by Virtual Creatrix. Music was written by Gregor Hutchka and produced by Brett Canning. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, subscribe, leave us a review, a rating and share with your friends. All of those wonderful things are much appreciated and help us find new listeners. If you are a creator yourself and would like to tap into a very supportive community, you can search up the Sunshine House Writers and Creatives on Facebook. We will let you in the door and inspire you, support you, all of those wonderful things. I have a new course available called the Sunshine House Children's Book Course, which is a collection of skills and knowledge to cover all sorts of aspects of the children's book industry. If you're interested in checking that out and doing a course from the comfort of home, have a look at my website, zannylouise.com. It's been wonderful spending this time with you today. Have a lovely, sunshiny day.